Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into the Positive Head Podcast, where you can always count on hearing fascinating discussions and interviews with the best and brightest consciousness change makers that are out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. And if you enjoy the Positive Head podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes by subscribing there and also be sure to leave us a good review. In the podcast world, good reviews and subscribers on iTunes really are the holy grail. I mean, the more subscribers and good reviews you get, the more exposure you get. So if you love the show or even just like it a little bit, <laughs> please subscribe. Give us a good review on iTunes. I assure you the support will be very much appreciated and I'm confident the good karma gods will rain blessings down upon the for doing so. Also, if you haven't been over to positivehead.com lately, we have some really cool new things going on. I'm super excited to announce the launch of our new line of t-shirts. Of course, we printed up the typical stuff you'd expect, you know, Positive Head tees with our uh, super cool Flower of Life inspired logo, but uh, we also have some very unique tees that uh, have what we call chemistry uh, quotes written out on them. Now, if you're wondering what the heck a chemistry quote is, well, I won't spoil the surprise, actually. You'll just have to go over to the site, check them out for yourself. All right, everyone. On this episode, I am very pleased to have Jamaica Stevens here with me on the show. Uh, Jamaica is a woman of many talents. To name a few, she is the founder of the Tribal Convergence Gatherings, co-founder of Tribal Convergence Network, and author of the very recently published book, uh, Re-Inhabiting the Village. Hello, Jamaica. How are you? Oh, aloha, Brandon. I am so good. Oh, welcome to the show. I was I was so excited to connect with you uh, after, you know, kind of just having a, a detailed conversation with our mutual friend, uh, Jonah Haas, recently. And he was like, oh, you've got to talk to Jamaica. You've got to talk to Jamaica. And I was telling him, you know what? I emailed her. I haven't heard back. And literally a day or two later, there you were in my inbox. And, and here we are talking. So uh, very, very happy to to get to to pick your brain on all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thanks, Brandon. I'm really honored to be here. I think it's always a really um, exciting and fun gift to get to connect and share what's bubbling, what's birthing, and, and I'm happy to do that with you and with your listeners. Yeah, and it's such an exciting time for you as well. I know, um, you know, birthing this this project that you've been working on, the Re-Inhabiting the Village book, and, and uh, actually Multimedia Hub that you've put together has just, I know, been released to the world and I know that's super exciting. So I think our timing is really good. And I know uh, our listeners will be very intrigued to hear what, sh what you've got cooking. And I think probably the best place to begin is, you know, at the beginning. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal story and what's led you down this very unique path that you're on? Hmm. That's always a fun story to tell. And it, it winds to many different paths. So I'll try to tell it in a succinct way. And um Hmm. I know that you like synchronicities, so really that's where it begins <laughs> is is through a series of synchronicities. So we'll we'll start with that. And oh, uh, wonderful! I usually I usually have those stories uh, at the end, but there's no reason that has to be. So if you're if the beginning of your story uh, is is a synchronicity, by all means, let's mix it up and and start with that. Yeah. Well, I see now that like 
everything's always been leading to the next thing. And so um, it's interesting to be at a point where I can see how everything fed into the journey that um, I'm now currently on. But what I'll offer is the sort of origin of this concept of tribe, village, of um, knowing oneself in context to both place and people, which for me is really the root of what I mean when I say modern village, is what does that mean to belong to a place? And what does that mean to belong to a people, to feel included in a family and to feel deeply in stewardship and connected to the lands that we're on, whether that's a city, you know, or, um, or a, a land project. Um, and so for me, this journey uh, really began with sort of, you know, had been doing event production and community building here in Portland, where I'm from, Portland, Oregon, and already okay. on that journey, and then got to go to Burning Man for the first time in 2008. And 2008, um, was, you know, sort of coming into my Saturn return and and really sort of exploring myself for the first time outside of everything I'd known and going to Burning Man was this big pilgrimage. And as soon as I got out of the car and stepped onto Playa, there was this other group of people that came up behind us driving also from Denver, as it turned out. And they got out of the car and our whole pod just being so excited, everyone got out and started dancing in this mild dust storm and, and swinging around and saying hi, because of course there's this instant feeling of your home and, and it doesn't even matter who these people are. You're all just so excited to be there. Your family instantly. Instant family. And, and so the, I got my will call ticket and I came running back to this group of people and the first person I touched on my very first playa before I even got through the gate was this man and we swung around each other and he embraced me and, and um, felt this incredible lightning bolt move through me. And then his wow. friend said, all right, all right, you know, talk to the girl later. You know, we got to get back in the car and everyone gets back in the car and it's like, okay, you know, and then sort of swirled off. He had a mask on at the time. Um, but I, I saw the friend's faces and so, we get into Playa and we're there, I'm there for build week and we're building this dome and we're missing some pieces. So we're like, oh, let's go and connect with neighbors because that's what you do at Burning Man. Let's go, you know, we don't have what we need, but we know someone out there has the perfect piece to what we're looking for for this dome. So everyone goes in different directions and I go two streets over behind us and there's this camp setting up as well. And I realize it's the same group, but I'm like, oh, you're like right here. Oh, Weren't you wow. guys at the, at the gate? And start talking to them and then this man walks back up and I'm like, oh, and you? And he's like, yeah, you. And, and that began this sort of really powerful sort of by the time burn started this was four days before burn started by the time burn started this like man kept showing up at our camp and our um, group would go over and have dinner with them and they'd come over and, and see what we were making progress on and there was just this weaving that instantly happened between this camp and our camp and um, this man you know made a lot of uh, trips through our camp <laughs> maybe unnecessary right, right. so just to say hi by the time that burn night started um, there was clearly some chemistry and we ended up falling in love that burn and um, he lived in Denver and I lived in Portland. And so we formed a two and a half year relationship of going back and forth between Portland and living in two cities. And from that point, my relationship with my own sense of family and tribe in Portland community and his deep love and sense of community there in Denver, um, mm -hmm. we just loved our family. And I realized it was the first time I felt the same level of connection to this totally different 
you know, family and community who had a very different way about them, and yet we were all deeply woven. And so we decided after about a year of going back and forth and sort of being part of these two communities that it was time to bring them together. And we did that. And we had 25 of his friends come out on a plane and 25 of my friends greet them here in Portland. And we all went to the coast and spent five days in this like 50 person deep (laughs) shamanic, uh, you know, slumber party, the best slumber party that ever was. And, and that was really the first tribal convergence of spending this time deeply weaving with this family. And from that, uh, relationships were formed, businesses were started. Uh, this community was deeply woven into something so intrinsic and um, all these different uh, goings back and forth happened. And we wove this family together and that also at that weekend is where I first um, offered myself really in service to uh, particularly the waters. And what had happened was there's an oil spill and we're on this Oregon coast at the ocean and there was this huge spill that had happened. And I was just in deep meditation sitting with the ocean saying, what can I do? Like, what can I do as one person? What can I do in this, you know, web of bringing together these people and what a powerful journey and experience that was. And what I heard was keep bringing people together. What I heard was like really clearly in my heart was what you can do is be in service by weaving the fabric and just create containers for people to connect and to show up. And that's what you can do. And that's what sparked the first actual, what we called tribal convergence gathering, which happened, um, I think it was, I don't even remember, 2011 now. Um, that's the first time that we held that in Oregon at the Tidewater Falls. And then from there sparked a whole series of, of everything that came after, which has been a tremendous journey. But it really started from the, the currents of love and feeling like the first person I met on Playa was what a trip a, yeah a catalyst for everything that has become really my dharma and my passion and service to the world started with just you know showing up and saying yes and and letting synchronicity guide me which it's always done that's amazing that's such an such an amazing story and when you think about the sheer the the odds of you know coming in contact with someone that would play such an important role and being the very first person as you touch the playa, I remember my very first burn in 2005, that first night, especially being just particularly magical, you know, the energy of the place. I always say it's one of the first times I ever felt like I took a, some sort of, you know, psychedelic substance and I didn't, but they just from the energy of the place. So yeah. it's just fascinating to me that, you know, here you are in line, you haven't even gotten in yet. And it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, next chapter starts now. So that's super amazing. And, yeah. and so all of these core people are still, uh, I mean, I'm sure some to varying degrees, but pretty much that started the, the tribal convergence, uh, network and and it's just it's just grown from there yeah and you know different versions of of iterations of what i consider family were all so deeply woven what happened from there was that we basically had communities and grassroots leaders and you know people involved in the event world but also just in activism show up that represented um an entire west coast tribe essentially from canada all the way down to san diego we had people come in and re- represent their region. And those first few gatherings were about regionalism and about connecting with people from your own region in a deeper way through these events. And also then going and connecting with place and people and showing up in people's homes and hosting these different gatherings. So then we went down to California, you know, we went up to BC. What got woven was what I think is the foundation of now a lot of things um, came from those first few years of tribal convergence, a lot of businesses, a lot of projects, 
a lot of partnerships, a lot of alliances were formed from the first years, and those are still active. There's so much that actually can be origined back to uh, those people coming together and and also awaken and other events that came. It's been you know, a consistent uh, gathering of people who really consider themselves a family. You know, we, it's not always yeah. easy, but we're really committed where it's not just sort of like, hey, I know you and your acquaintance, but there's something woven that really sparked from, um, from those original gatherings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What an incredible, what an incredible path for you to take. And it's obviously still unfolding now. Is this now, as far as the tribal convergence gatherings, uh, and I actually attended one of the the first gatherings, I think, Awaken, what was that? Was that 2012? Awaken was the spring of 2013. Yeah, that was probably our fifth gathering at that point. Right, right. And is this now, are you guys considering with, is it a, is it a regular, uh, you know, um, event or is it, is it kind of sporadic with the gatherings? How, what, what is the current state of for a while, it had been really consistent, and we were all committed to going to different land projects and different villages and having these gatherings. What's true is that um, a lot of this work has now people are out in the work doing out in the world doing this work, and um, what what's come from that is less time has been spent holding these gatherings. But there's definitely you know you'll you'll hear it first. There's definitely a rumbling and a call to um, bring this community and leadership back together uh next summer so i'm still feeling the edges of that but it's been um it's beyond what i think should happen and it's more about listening to what needs to happen and there it seems like we haven't had one of these gatherings in long enough and so much has transpired in these last few years that it's time it's time to come in and weave the movement back to um, a central place uh, because so much is happening outward that uh it's it's vital to keep having these gatherings and come together as a people and really sit with each other and listen and be in council and build the foundation of our relationships. So then we go back out in the world, we're stronger as a movement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit of, uh, or or the listening audience, a little bit about the kind of the, the unique structure of the gatherings. I know there's a guild system that you employ, which I I found really interesting at Awaken. Uh, Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, well, and you know, really, the tribal convergence is the the feeding grounds and the the beginning and the origins of what reinhabiting the village has come. And and so for for me, what's true is that um, not necessarily knowing along the way what we were building, but intrinsically and intuitively knowing, and then having a lot of mentors and wonderful people show up to inform the process along the way. What we're really birthing is the 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 culture of a modern village, and so we sort of took our gatherings that were based out of festival culture, but realized that something deeper wanted to happen. And so things that are included in tribal convergence events um, and that sort of family of, of lineage is that it's intergenerational, very, very important to us that it's bridging from the youngers all the way to the elders. And it's not just a group of 20 to 30 somethings, but that it's really bridging the full village. Um, Council is very important. So a lot of our gatherings um, are about getting together and being present to talk, to hear, to listen, to share, um, to understand. Um, It's very important to us that it's connected to a a place that's, that's in, in, we're in service to a place that's connected to our family. Meaning we show up in um, seva is a word we use, which is the selfless act of sacred service. Everyone participates. Everyone does something throughout the weekend to contribute mm-hmm. to the thriving village. And we do that on land where we leave uh, an impact. We leave a gift of some kind, a service of some kind, an object, an infrastructure, an art piece, something in, in, 
in leaving connection to that land and making it a better place. Um, we eat together and, um, and there's a spiritual component. There's a, there's a connection, things like we have a sacred fire, um, for, for one tribal convergence, we had a drum that went from the time we opened to the time we closed 24 hours a day, somebody would be beating the drum, the heartbeat of the community. Um, and our sacred fire is, you know, that heartbeat of the community, the life of the community. Um, we have things like guardianship really spark from there where a sense of which is now a program that's starting to run in a lot of the festivals uh, stewardship guardianship a sense of sort of those who can support and help hold space for mentor facilitate and are being trained in conflict resolution um, management of, of um, you know volatile situations and and how to be supportive community members that really started from the tribal convergence gatherings and a lot of those people are now taking that into the festival world and then yeah the guild system which was really based off Barbara Marks Hubbard and Buckminster Fuller's work with the wheel of co creation we adapted that with their permission and, and encouragement with Barbara's uh, we adapted that and we looked at how this organizing tool of whole systems could help people get into groups based on what their passion or dharma or interest were and then for right. more of it of a of a uh, a sense of of collaboration and community and co-governance around how to be more resourceful and cooperative uh, amongst a group of say art is a great one or learning or um, science like how do these groups self-organize self-govern to be more uh, connected and supported and collaborative and then how do we weave that into a whole system because of course people belong in more than one guild and uh, the guilds need each other you know how does education overlap with art how does ev- education overlap with um, with earth stewardship these kinds of things and so we practiced that with Awaken we took the model and we got people broken out into groups instead of by region we got them broken into groups based on uh, their interest Dharma. levels yeah. And, and now we have those groups uh, have been connected through Facebook since then. And the next time we would do one, I think there's even more practicality around helping people come together who have uh, work to do and help build cohesion and a movement by this sort of model that we've been playing with for the last few years. Fascinating. Fascinating. Now, your most recent uh success and project uh that you birthed to the world this book re-inhabiting the village and it's actually a, a more than that a multimedia resource hub uh to you know as you put it to foster thriving projects organizations and communities um can you tell us a little bit about that that project oh it's such a journey it's it's so fresh and, and new in the world still um but i've been working on it for a while um, i know huh it's <laughs> it's so new to all of us that are on the receiving end and for you it's like oh my gosh I've given, I've probably been pregnant with this thing for years and it's finally birthed and, uh, <laughs> and it's precious and it's still just sort of coming out. Um, yeah, re-inhabiting the village, uh, it, well, the book itself is, uh, we have curated 60 different authors and we, the book is divided into 12 different themes kind of around the guild wheel or the, the co-creative wheel. Um, so there's, there's themes of, of the village and through the lens of those themes, we invited different voices to come and share. I did my best to try to have that, uh, follow the same principles of, um, multiple cultures, multiple perspectives, different age ranges, um, tried to get it off the West coast and also to share people from other countries. Um, so it's really just a synopsis. It's a 
sort of composite of different voices from the village and had these different articles based on these themes. And then we had about 15 different photographers and visionary artists because there was a real visual narrative. We wanted to tell the story just visually. So, um, you know, we started really, really, really bringing this project alive last summer. We did a $30,000 successful Kickstarter. Thank you to all of those people who participated in that last fall, right around this time is when we launched it a year ago, which was just a tremendous thing in itself. And then really started production heavy in um, January to February and then uh, launched the book. Uh, which is a nice big 350-page full-color, huge tome of a book. Uh, we launched the book officially in July and, and a website right after that that is a continual building of a resource hub that's um, something people can add their own resources, which makes it uh, really great because it's, it's open source and community can add their own resources and we can build this resource database together. And then the workbook, um, I'm actually just finishing that this week and it will go off mm-hmm. to print. Um, so then there's also not only the heart of the story, which is what the book is about, um, it's also the workbook is the practical application and tips and tools to help communities, uh, you know, with guidance. And then there's a lot more birthing on the website that will be a continuation of learning materials, educational materials, access to experts and mentors, and, you know, a place to showcase and find projects and organizations that are doing work that have anything to do with the village, which, you know, is, is a broad spectrum. In a constantly expanding, uh, moving target. I think it's really brilliant how you put it together with you know, you have the book as a jumping off point, then you have the workbook, which gets your hands dirty a little bit. And then you have the, you know, the online uh, hub, which really can change on a daily, weekly or monthly basis, right? So that's right. Um, yeah, and we have yeah, a community blog, we're going to be developing through that. And we also want to continue to curate stories and put out second versions. We want to do and are setting up for this next year, some interactive um, courses where different teachers will come and teach different parts of what they're holding in terms of their expert around the concept of village. And that's everything from the spiritual or emotional or communal process to also the ecotech, the regenerative solutions, the permaculture, the natural building, um, all of the spectrum of what it means to belong to people in place. We're going to be curating some different learning opportunities and we have some partners that we're developing. So it's a journey and you totally named it. It's a moving target because it's um, emergent. And so this was a, well, let's start with this artifact that's this beautiful sort of love story of potential, but it's really skimming the surface of what's right, right. in. Right, right. And, you know, touching on the village topic a little bit more, for those who aren't as familiar with this concept and this movement, and it's all new to them, uh, maybe take a moment and define what what you're referring to when you when you're referencing a global village or, you know, uh, culture of the modern village. What is what is that when you compare, say, that concept versus, you know, the way we typically are living in, in at least in the States, you know, the modern neighborhood. Can, can you expand on that a little bit? I can, because I think it's actually um, really, really important, Brandon, that we start having more of this conversation collectively. Um, it's interesting and and I've been very, I've been very um, made aware of uh, cultural appropriations and being so thoughtful of how we're using certain language, including, you know, naming something tribal convergence and getting a lot of schooling from the work we've done with indigenous to really, really look at um, how we use this language. And so what I mean by village is um, that we've always really been villagers and Mm -hmm. that we've always sort of 
been um, connected deeper to place and to each other and relied on each other and shared what gifts we all had and in the center uh, in order to, you know, be more abundant and be able to thrive. That was our early origins. Every single one of us come from a line that in one point of time were villagers. And throughout the modernization and honestly the colonialization, there was a disconnection from the concept that we were so deeply intrinsically woven to everything happening on the earth. We are part of that. We're woven to the waters and to the lands, to the animals, to the plants. We're so deeply woven. We're not disconnected from that. And we're so woven to each other. We impact each other and we also have the capacity to heal and support and love each other. So what I've witnessed and in my studies as kind of a you know, novice uh, cultural anthropologist going through this journey is what happened along the way where we got disconnected from the earth and from each other to you know, now bring us to this modern time where you know, we're really facing a lot of rampant dis-ease in our system, in our uh, yeah. societies in our cultural systems in our earth systems in our ecology there's this crisis point and um it 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 is not negotiable for us to have to look at what not only what happened but what can we do about it we really are at a crossroads as a people as a species on this planet and i'm a very hopeful proactive believer in what we can do together and yet i'm a realist in how far off track we got. And so without sort of beating that drum, because I think there's a lot of stories about the destruction and the chaos and the disease and all the things going wrong, what I know is that I think what's trying to emerge is a reconnection to our sense of connection to the earth, to the stars, to everything. You know, it's really a miracle and a wonder that we are made of carbon and hydrogen and all these molecules that are in everything are also made in us. And I think nature has been showing us the way for a long time, how she organizes um, the patterns of nature and how do you take, you know, constantly chaotic forces and bring order and function. And so nature is always showing us how things can work in a synergy together. And as humans, we really have to start looking at um, how do we work more harmoniously, more synergistically while honoring diversity, because actually the strongest ecosystems in nature are based on diversity. And so here we have this global world where it's no longer avoidable that we're a global village. We're not acting like one yet, but we are one. We're so woven because of the systems we've created and the fact that we share the same biosphere. And so what I think has to emerge is a new narrative that tells and shows from what we've known about the past and can see as a, a blueprint and a roadmap to what is available to us now with innovation and technology and the wisdom of you know a lot of mistakes and also a lot of successes as a species. This is that moment where it's time to take the best and the worst and to everyone participate in seeing themselves as belonging to a species and a people and belonging to a place, even if we have these things that are very different about us. And so the delicacy of this work for me of the village is, you know, start with local regionalism and connection to people in your own neighborhoods and your own communities and, you know, build regional resiliency and look at resource management and get involved with what's happening in your own region and build sustainability in your own region and your own community connection with people of place where you live and see how that's woven to people who are doing this all around the world because it's happening all around the world. People are looking for innovative solutions to their challenges, looking at how to face the climate issues that every single, every single country is facing different yeah. aspects of that and, and how to, build a thriving life in an economy that's so volatile. And so I see this happening around the 
world. What I love is that how can we lean into what distinctions and differences culturally people are learning in their own home connected to building regionalism in their own place, but see each other's allies. How do we share resources and information and wisdom and connection and heart and stories and and build not only tolerance, but sort of a celebration of how amazing that there's this much diversity. And I'm not saying that's easy, but that's like what's required as a humanity to continue forward is to look at how the global village includes all people, honors the different ways and perspectives, stories, cultures, and diversities, and finds the commonality of where Mm -hmm. we can work together for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's this departure from our roots of this sort of village um, ancestry that we all share. And, you know, we got smart in, in our, in our, 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 you know, I say that facetiously, our intelligence, it's like, oh, let's build artificial environments that disconnect us from nature, from each other. My neighbor, uh, you know, 20 feet away from me, I have no idea what their name is. And, mm-hmm. you know, meanwhile, we're all wondering why there's so much depression and uh, anxiety and lack of connection. It's, it's, you know, we're social animals. And I think having reestablishing that sort of uh, connection to those around you is it's essential. We, we've seen what the opposite will produce and it's produced so much, um, so much strife and turmoil. And, and uh, you know, I think the internet has been a, an amazing tool for showing us that we are a global village, mm-hmm. how closely it's connected, how information now it's like the internet is the, the new uh, nervous system of the planet, you know, and it's linking yes. us up in, in a way that is, Thank goodness for it, because now we can actually see and peek into other lives across the globe and understand uh, these people are. Yeah, maybe they have different, um, you know, their culture is different, different um, histories and so forth. But it, it, the the fundamental level, we're all, the, as you mentioned earlier, we're all the same stuff. And right. it's it's we need to start acting as if, um, you know, the planet is going to survive. We may not. But uh, yes. we're the ones in trouble, <laughs> yes. really, not as much as the planet, right? I'm so, so happy you said that, Brandon, because that's actually been something that I've been saying for quite a while. I'm like, maybe it'd be more personal if, um, you know, instead of being like, save the earth, and there was this big picture of this sort of blue ball in space, it was like, save yourselves, because right, the earth's going right. to be all right, but we might not be able to sustain here. And that's, you know, not to beat the drum of fear, but to sure. wake us up to how precious we are and it is to be here and, and you know, change the heart of it. And so you just said the, the internet is the nervous system, which I love. And for me, I feel like the village is the heart. It's the heart yeah. that pumps. Oh, beautiful. Um, you know, and connects this nervous system, which is our intelligence, you know, from the spirit of our heart. And I think knowing people, you know, and building relationships and connection, that's, um, that's what feeds that nervous system. Um, yeah. 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 No, that's a great analogy. I, I love that. Now, from your perspective, what are the biggest, what do you, what do you feel are the biggest challenges facing obviously we've got a lot of them and uh and and i like your your sentiment you know not to beat the drum of fear or anything but i think facing some of the challenges that we have with uh, optimism and and seeing them as hey these are challenges that we're actually meant to overcome so let's Mm -hmm. smile about them and 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 move through them and work through them what are some of the biggest ones that you you see in the world uh that would should really have more and more people you know considering this village kind of mentality as opposed to the separation uh, mentality that we've lived in for so long. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll quote one of um, the authors in the book, Miss Kristen Many Rivers, who's an um, environmental educator. Um, at the opening of the 
of the Reinhabiting the Village uh, launch party, she was asked a question and she said, you know, we have all the technology. We actually have all the funding and resources and finances. We have the intelligence. We even have a lot of the solutions uh, to what we're facing as a species. And yet the, the deal is we only have one generation to come together and do this, to come together and make a change and make a difference for our future. And it rippled through me so greatly, Brandon. It was such a deep ripple of how true that feels. We really have this now moment between the next two generations to bring how much intelligence we have and resources and capacity to the table. And the, um, the major issues that I'm seeing uh, that I that I really am a proponent of saying how can we build a movement around this? Number one is the heart of our disconnection. More than even the strategies and solutions and technology, I think if we don't know how to um, work together and see each other as uh, a family and common thread of the same species, mm-hmm. if we don't work on the relationship issues that keep us disconnected and heal, really what I think is a uh, a tremendous amount of grieving that humanity needs to do in order to even know the fullness of joy and celebration is, is you know, Martine Prechtel's work is the grief and, and praise. And so I think until we heal how broken things feel and what that does to, to someone and how we um, work together and, and tolerate each other, um, then we can have all the technology and we can have all the solutions. But if we don't know how to apply it and work together and have compassion and see ourselves as united, um, then it won't matter. And so for me, I always say, you know, the heart of my work is how do we build relationships? Um, yeah. From there, I think really what we're facing, I think the biggest thing we're facing, I think water is the number one human um, rights issue. I think water... Uh, more than gold, more than any economy, more than even a money, water is going to be the thing that I think unites humanity and and is one of the unifying factors. Every single um, form of life requires water. And it's so basic and common and intrinsic to all of us. And with so many issues of drought happening around the world with climate change, water, I think, is one of those things where we actually have a lot of solutions. There's a lot of emergent technology and water strategy, free energy strategy. There's so much that's happening, but it's not sort of breaching the wall of um, think tanks or prototypes. For some reason, it's not being implemented uh, except for on the ground through grassroots movements or small practices. So I think that um, I don't, and what's true is I've been reading a lot of the UN studies. There is a global movement of people um, naming the same need um, uh, to come together as a people and I address uh, the whole 2015 charter to address by the year, I think it's 2025, these major issues that we see coming. So climate change and water um, and how that's going to continue to escalate conflict in different areas for me is bigger than any other issue. Yet I see that as surmountable because there is strategy and solutions and people of place are making um, connections with appropriate technology and finding strategy for, for the water scenarios in their environment. And I think we need to share what we're learning. I think that places like California, which is experiencing this tremendous drought, um, can learn a lot from how Africa has, you know, continued to have populaces that thrive. Um, It might mean big changes for us. And that's what I think also is one of the things we have to look at is how do we make the change necessary um, to be really innovative and creative and get out of what we think we already know, um, get out of the box, so to speak, and be creative and innovative um, with what's possible. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, getting rid of this corporate mentality, uh, I'm sure you've heard it before, 
you know, the, the CEO of Nestle uh, yeah. a few years back saying water should not be a human right. You should, it's something that you should have to, to pay for. And meanwhile, we're on this planet that is uh, made primarily of water. It's all things rely on it. It's like, how have we ever gotten to a point where we're so twisted in our perspective that that could even be a, a, a comment that's made with a straight face by someone who's a leader in our system? And I think, uh, you know, some of these uh, having a changing of the guard where and, and I I'm very optimistic, you know, about the people that are coming up and that are gaining uh, prominence and, and influence with a totally different perspective. And, you know, uh, establishing those relationships and seeing that that person that's starving or that is, uh, you know, dehydrated is, is an extension of self. It is literally a part of self that you're looking at until these these people in power realize that literally you're seeing nothing but a mirror of self anyone that you're cutting off you you are cutting off an extension of yourself and you you're not you're falling for the illusion that it's separate from you and i for me that's the biggest thing is is waking people up to the realization that there's literally one of us in the room there's one of us on the planet it's uh, you know the same consciousness in different forms and different bodies and if we can get that to ripple through um, you know, people's consciousness and get that uh, idea to spread and, you know, in a viral manner, which I think is happening to some degree. It feels like there's this, you know, spiritual revolution happening. Thank goodness. And, and certainly not a moment too, you know, too soon with the time frames that you referenced, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's crucial. Time is, time is of the essence if we're going to turn this thing around. Well, one thing I was going to say, um, Brandon, I, I so appreciate the depth of what you just offered. Um, not only is it that we live on a water planet, but we're, we're made of 90% right. water. We're a water people. Like, we are water people, and our intrinsic relationship to that is huge. I, I wanted to read you something that is so inspiring to me, and that is Please. that my 12-year-old daughter... Uh, wrote for the book. She's the youngest of our intergenerational span. My 12-year-old daughter wrote, oh, how, wrote for the book. How wonderful. Yeah, and you know, w and, and it was really her words and I helped her make sure that they made sense and edit them, but this was just her riffing on, um, you know, a voice from the future. And she wrote the words, water is one of the three basic needs. Without free water, you don't have free people. Wow. And the fact that my 12-year-old... You know, wow, amazing that's so insightful. She's really the one that I'm showing up for this fervently is when you have and there isn't a luxury uh, to sort of not put everything you have into helping the world for them, for her. Yeah. And for her wow. understanding at that young of age to get, um, and, and what she was talking about was the corporate water bottling. And she's like, in re regions that don't have water, we have big corporations bottling the water. She's like, if we don't have free water, you don't have free people. And I think wow. it's vital that we all start paying attention and not from a space of anger and againstness, but as stewards that Absolutely. stand so strongly for our earth yeah. and our children and their children, for Nestle's corporate you know, heads, they have children for their children and their grandchildren. Yep. The fact that we stand united strong as stewards, it's not an anger against, but it's a force that's mighty where the people rise up and say, no, you know, yeah. no. And we're paying attention and we see you, you know. Yeah, that, it's so inspiring. It's, it's, you know, to think a 12-year-old would be that insightful. That is what inspires me so greatly. These souls, you know, I'm, I'm of the, the belief that just because someone is 12 years old and 
the physical dimension has nothing to say about you know the the age and wisdom of the soul that inhabits that body it's like i believe your daughter came here 12 years ago she's not created 12 years ago and that's obvious to me when you see and hear statements like that and you see these young people you know i have a son as well who's 16 and it's like the wisdom that comes out of his mouth compared to where I was mm -hmm. at 16 years old. It's like, oh my gosh, you're, you're a whole nother level. And I'm meeting, you know, I met a, uh, a kid who's, you know, I call him a kid, 18 years old, 17, 18 years old at um, a festival uh, maybe six weeks ago. And I was just blown away by the stuff coming out of this this kid's mouth, the insights, the the wisdom. And it's like, I feel like there is a lot of these souls in, in incarnating in, you know, the third dimension in, you know, our life on this little planet that's hurtling through this vast cosmos that are coming here mm. now to help us save the day. And I think you, you touch on such a, a, a wonderful point. It's like, there's no reason to rally against uh, Nestle or these people with that perspective. You know, I believe they're playing their role. They're playing the role they're meant to play so that, you know, uh, Jamaica Stevens can have the experience of helping to heal the planet in this way. And without that opposing force, there is no uh, third dimensional experience of you doing this amazing work and me participating and helping to you know, shine a spotlight on it. And how can I help? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we none of us get that experience without the, mm -hmm. the Nestle CEOs of the world. So. I think it, you keep, you've touched on it many times and I, I couldn't agree more. It's so important. So many people get caught up on the outrage and the conspiracy of it all and how awful it is. And, you know, uh, and they're beating the drum of the, the awfulness of the situation. And it's in, from one perspective, they, I, I understand where their point's coming from, but there's a bigger perspective. And that is that these beings are playing the role they're meant to play to give those of us that are here to help heal the planet, the opportunity to do that. Because without, without that sickness, there is no opportunity for healing. You can't, you can't know, you can't really uh, understand or appreciate it. So I think it's super important as we make this transition to keep that proper perspective, the bigger expanded perspective of, Hey, these people are, are extensions of self that are just, you know, more deeply asleep. They're, they're, they're more cut off from source. They've forgotten mm -hmm. fully who and what they are. And so they view us as separate and it's, you know, them versus us in their mind, because there is no connection. And we, it's our job to ignite that remembrance of, Hey, this is a connection. You're actually looking and talking to a part of self and that those that are suffering are a part of self. Uh, wake the wake the hell up <laughs> you know you named it and that's my primary passion and work is uh, just simply that just bring people together stay awake yourself you know for me to constantly be doing my own work to remember that I'm connected yeah. to honor and learn about my ancestry and my disconnection from a sense of place and to do my best to hold the space long enough for my daughter and her generation for your son to come through and wow us because wow yeah. these kids are so intelligent and incredible and it's like if we can just hold the gate open long enough for them yep. to come through what's true is that um you know older uh thoughts and storylines and uh constructs are passing away and what's emerging what's true what's innovative and new is the sense that we are united and if th if this crisis point brings humanity to its next understanding as a united species on this planet if we can change that anger and rage and and transmute it into action and stewardship yep. and participation oh, wow, that's the re-evolution of, of the human species. I mean, it's no less than that potentially powerful, you know, and most people are just trying to figure out how to, you know, make sure they can 
feed their kid each day or get to work on time. So the waking up that sparks the sense of instead of being apathetic or angry, you know, get engaged, get inspired. What's your gift? What do you care about? Learn about it. Talk to people, meet people. It is like it starts building momentum and it's the same energy. It's just changed into a more, um, empowering energy. Um, it's not to yeah. deny the, the right t- place and timing for, you know, um, activism or um, really rallying as an againstness force. It's just that if we're only doing that and we're not also making a stand for and standing in strength of, um, then I think we're missing the potential uh, to yeah. rise up as a people. And that, that you just named it, the protagonist antagonist storyline that's playing out is sure. we might just you know, really rise up as a people based on the level of, you know, crises. There might be an awakening of the heart. Um, and that's what I'm at least here to, to uh, encourage and nourish and inspire is awakening of the heart of humanity that says, hey, we matter and you matter and we are connected. And wow, this planet's precious. And I want, you know, children to have a future. And it could be easier than we're making it out to be. And we're making it really complicated. And I just think there's like a somewhat simple um, awakening that can happen. And, and, I, and I, I witness it all the time, you know, in my world, yeah. I'm, I'm always surrounded by and inspired by how many people are doing beautiful work and are healing themselves and healing their relationships and showing up in service. It's just tremendous. And that's what this project was about for me is showcasing kind of like you do. I'm shining a spotlight on the amazing work that's already happening. So people realize it's not some far off utopic vision. It's right now, this is happening all around us. People are doing everything they can to uh, change the course of this. Yeah. People are coming online in droves, it seems, you know, Mm -hmm. I I can think back being on this sort of um, spiritual path, I guess you would say, or or self, you know, personal awakening or, you know, going on 20 years now. And for so many years, I would talk about this stuff passionately and guys wake up, you know, we're all the same. We're, we're one with the source that created all things. You can manifest whatever you so desire. Like this is just a beautiful uh, perspective that I've gained and I'll, I'll share it with someone. And it's like, what the heck are you talking about? Or that's interesting, but I'll go back to, you know, being kind of lost in the dream and asleep on my feet. And now all of a sudden it's like, I'm coming across, you know, and that went on for years and years, better, more than a decade. You know, that was my life. Aside from reading books or these people that were far removed from me, I, there was no interaction. And now you know my life is literally interacting with people like yourself who you know when you speak it's like you can just hear the inspiration you know the spirit moving you know in spirit moving through you and Mm -hmm. it's uh it's happening more and more and there's so many people that are just you know changing so so quickly it's so inspiring and you know to touch a little bit on what you were saying a moment ago um as far as there is a place for activism but uh also being very careful not to get so many people get caught up in that is that this is all i'm going to do is 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 beat the drum of what's wrong what's wrong without taking any action and one of my favorite stories and you probably heard it is you know nobel prize winner mother Teresa, humanitarian Mm. who uh in you know the 60s they asked her to join this huge march in vietnam uh you know against the war in vietnam and she said you know sorry i i can't I can't do that. I won't be there, but have a march for peace and I'll be there. Mm-hmm. And that was exact. She understood what you give energy to, you create more of. So there's plenty of things that we can give energy to that are so screwed up and so problematic. And, you know, but we've got only a precious amount that flows through us individually on a given day. Some of us more than others. Right. And as we turn on <laughs> and tune in, but as we're turning on and tuning in, we need every ounce of that 
put in a direction that's actually making a difference and not uh, anchoring these problems into place by giving them uh, a voice and giving them more and more of our, our precious, you know, resource, our energy. So, um, yeah. And I feel like um, one thing I try to do is span the spectrum of how people can get involved because I think sometimes as people are like, okay, I'm waking up. I feel compassionate. I feel like I want to participate. What do I do? I don't, you know, it's so outside of my normal life. I'm not even sure where to start and it can be overwhelming. And then some people are like, oh, I'm full all in. I, you know, I know exactly. So whatever the spectrum is, what I like to say is do whatever you can with wherever you are with whatever you have, that it's more, it's less about the, I mean, big sweeping change will come with great global movements and great action and marches for peace in the street and all these big changes that systemically can happen. And the way I see that happening is only going to be authentically sustained if people do what they can with where they are, you know, with what they have available to them. That makes a difference in their own life. And we ripple that, you know, um, that that is huge. If we just heal our own hearts, you know, make right our own relationships, you know, participate by looking at where we put our consumer dollars, um, you know, supporting local economy, paying attention and advocating for local resources, especially water, you know, showing up to volunteer for children or for those whose needs don't get easily met, marginal groups. It's like those those everyday things are an act of revolution, of re-evolution. Those everyday Absolutely. things create communities that are more... Um, resilient, more connected, more beautiful, more abundant. And if from that we start spiraling, uh, you know, now connect with, now, you know, in that fullness of your life feeling thriving and abundant right where you are, if you now have extra, and often I think people find they do because it's so inspiring, if you have extra energy, how can you help others around you? You know, how can we ripple that kind of uh, movement that's built from the ground up and how can those who do have the capacity make great systemic shifts that's why the network of different networks that are aligning right now creating a movement of you know a coalition and an ecosystem of partners to make change it's like from top down and bottom up that's going to make the kind of change and so it's it's important sometimes I think people go I don't know how to start I'm like start today start with you know changing within because that's where it comes from and start with finding Absolutely. how your life can be meaningful and peaceful and how you can make a difference how you can follow your dream and your passion and make choices that are you know building a positive healthy planet and future and then you know and then let it you know be a journey from there because um, we need the full spectrum of experience and and i do get really excited because you you named it i see people waking up all the time you know say okay what can i do yeah absolutely and i I love what you touched on it it reminds me of the the roomy quote you know um yesterday i was clever so i wanted to change the world today i'm wise so i'm changing myself and uh i think that is uh such so so many people feel disempowered like oh what can i possibly do and it's like if we all focused on just changing ourselves. And then the ripples that come from that, I mean, it, um, that's really, it all starts there. It has to start there. Um, well, and you named Mother Teresa, and I'd like to just really give one more quote. It's been one of my favorites that I use for Awaken and in the Reinhabited Village book. Mother Teresa said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And I've let that Beautiful. be a guiding principle. You know, none of us can change the world alone, but we can play our part and let that ripple and let those actions ripple and touch each other and overlap. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, 
it's incredible how far something so small can reach. I just had someone contact me who said, oh, Oh my gosh, thank you for your podcast. You know, I, I've shared it with my friends and the change that it's, you know, kind of instigated in them. And it was just like such a rewarding, you know, it's on a very small scale. It's this one, one person in their group of friends, but, you know, just thinking of that, what is the, what, what, you know, by sharing your story or other people's stories like yourself who are actually really making a difference out there. And, and now it's touched this little group of friends somewhere in, you know, Nevada. And, and now, you know, how has that changed what their children will hear about or see, you know, growing up? And it's just, you really don't know. It's kind of that butterfly effect. You have no idea what the littlest thing that you're doing, how far reaching it can, it, it can go. So I think that's really important when people are feeling disempowered. Like if I make one small difference, there's no telling what that leads to. That could lead to a typhoon of change on the other side of the earth 20 years from now. So it's, uh, that's an encouraging way to, to kind of, to kind of view things and, and kind of resonate with that concept, I think. So yeah, Jamaica, tell me a little bit about you. You mentioned it earlier that there's 12 themes that you actually cover in the book. And so I think maybe if you wouldn't mind touching a little bit on what those themes are, so it gives those you know, once again, have aren't, aren't as experienced or haven't seen the book or this is all this topic is completely new to them. Tell us, tell me a little bit about what those themes are and, uh, you know, any, anything that you want to share about them, I suppose. Sure. Well, it starts with the heart of community, because like I said, that's the foundation for me for everything is our relations and the, the basic codes of what that is to belong to people and belong to a place. So the first uh, theme is heart of community. The second one, we get into health and healing, both um, personal health and healing, but also collective healing. Um, mm-hmm. Art and culture comes next. And that sort of bridge of, I think one of the quotes in the book was, um, you know, culture is the stories we tell and, and art is our love and action. Um, so art and culture leads into learning and education. This is this how do we learn and how do we become lifelong learners? How do we um, see ourselves as passionate for a lifetime um, of learning? And that led into re- regional resilience. Um, this is one of the biggest themes that I think should be more of a commonplace conversation. I think this is something people should understand a lot more about. So I'm really excited about some of the information about regional resilience in the book, because I think that um, that's going to be a really key point in our coming years. And from the regional resilience, it was really important to uh, to look at inhabiting the urban village, this reality that um, more than half the world's populace lives in urban environments. So how do we create uh, the concept of a village and interconnectivity um, when we live in our cities, when there's, you know, concrete and grids and already built structure? How do we uh, recreate the cities to be uh, modern villages and and then also community land projects because for a lot of people they're leaving the cities and and choosing to create eco villages or live more rurally. So how are those two related is also a really interesting uh context for me. Um, how do we serve each other through the urban village and community village on the land? Um, that led into holistic event production because so much of the movement that I'm sort of immersed in or the community that I'm, that I really came from, um, was the festival world and the transformational festival world. And so how are festivals and how, if we look at festivals as more holistic, um, how are they actually part of 
of implementing and practicing the village? Um, how are we learning every time we set up a temporary village for, you know, a thousand to 10,000 to, you know, Burning Man, 70,000 people? How are we learning keys that are applicable and innovative and creative to solving some of the challenges that we're facing? Um, what are we learning from those and how is it building a movement and bringing people into education and uh, sort of cultural trade route that's that's happening during these festivals? So I really wanted to make sure to connect um, how the uh, the lens of the festival productions is playing into the story of the village. And from there, we went to living economy, um, this concept that we have to look at our economic structures and see the value in wealth, not only in currencies and dollars, but also in people, human resources, intelligence, earth. What are the many forms of currency, the multiple levels of wealth? So we get into how there's a living economy and um, how do we make shifts there? And then that led into media and storytelling. And this is where we get to tell a new story and we get to utilize the fact that we do have media and the internet to share a new human narrative. And so looking at how we've always been um, storytellers around the fire, that's how our culture um, and our language and our art and our the stories we told about ourselves and about our place in the world have always been around the fire. And so what is the modern day version of the stories that we're telling and how can we change the world through sharing a new narrative? And then we get into appropriate technology, which are these not only sustainable but regenerative and renewable technologies and technologies that are simplified that are applicable to people of place. So that's a whole spectrum of the really innovative new technology and ecotech, but also the simple technology, um, the appropriate technology for people of place. So, so we get into that chapter and then we finish with whole systems design because I'm a whole systems designer and I look at how all of the pieces have their perfect place and need to be whole in and of themselves. And yet, how do all of them fit into a great mosaic? So those are the 12 themes throughout the book. And then we had different, um, different authors uh, write uh, you know, a different perspective from the work they do, from what they're passionate about, about one of those themes. And then I wrote a intro to each theme that was sort of tying the whole story together, sort of the author narrative. Wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's a very, uh, I would say, robust uh, design that you have there. So I, you know, having just received the book, as I mentioned to you previously, I have uh, delved in, but haven't gotten through every section, but they're all, you know, very well thought out and and some of the the guest authors that i've read so far just such fascinating i i think that's such a brilliant approach incorporating you know so many different perspectives um from these different themes so uh i definitely encourage people and where can people get the book i'm assuming uh the best place is through through the website it is, yeah, and we're also going to be releasing an um, an ebook, an iBook version uh, in the next few weeks here. Um, so the book is at reinhabitingthevillage.com. That's also where the resource directory is that people can add their own resources and um, peruse other resources. And also that's where we're starting up a community blog and a community calendar of events that are sort of in this genre. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, the book is for sale there and it talks a little bit about the project. And this site will be consistently emerging. There's a lot that we still want to do that we're still in development of how to continue to make this sort of a hub that has a lot of resources. And like I said, the ebook and iBook should be available pretty soon for those who didn't want to necessarily order the book. Um, but there's something really fun too about the tangibility. It's this big book. It's oh, a beautiful absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you can hold it in your hand. And um, I didn't want to just do an online version. Um, I really felt like the artifact of this book was an important 
thing to have. And then I'm really excited about the potential. We're looking at different, like a calendar, uh, a card deck, some different products that we might create that are all about different ways to engage this work. Um, you know, cool. future volumes, we'll see. It's just like right now, it really depends on um, how much this work touches people. And if there's a real call to continue this, um, there's also other things that I'm up to. And so for me, I knew I needed to birth it. And I feel really open to listening to how to be in service to the village and how much more of this to develop uh, versus letting it live as it is in the world and, and move on to some other projects as well. But I'm really passionate about um, this. And I really hope that people get inspired. The book's really fun. It's really, it's beautiful. It is. Yeah. It is really, it is really beautiful. There's something to be said for having a tangible book in your hand. And it's almost, it's almost like a textbook you would remember from your school days, but with all this fascinating information and pictures that you really want to learn about. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it feels for me. You know, yeah, we, really, we really chose visionary art that sort of shows this sort of visionary imaginal realm and then pictures that are like, and it's real. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah. 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 It definitely feels as you flip through it you can just feel the the heart and soul and inspiration that has went into it so I, I applaud you for that um you know organizing and putting it together and i know it's a lot of people and a lot of people's thoughts all all compiled and it definitely takes a special person to uh to bring it all together in such a such a great fashion and with such a you know this whole system design essentially is what you've done with the book too um so yeah i definitely encourage people go to reinhabitingthevillage.com that's the right address, right? Yes. Okay. Go to reinhabitingthevillage.com. Pick up a copy. You're supporting such a great cause. And uh, I think you might find, uh, for those of you who haven't been engaged in this, uh, you know, in this world, so to speak, it's something that you're, you're going to find something there for yourself. It's, it's inevitable. If you're hearing this podcast, there's, there's something there for you, I'm sure. So um, now as far as some of the, having not gotten all the way through the, the book itself uh, and not being nearly as versed as, as you, what are some of the most exciting models, you know, strategy, strategies for direct action, um, you know, developments of, of best practice for community, you know, what, what, anything in particular that you are particularly excited about, um, that's that you would want to maybe highlight? Yeah, I mean, gosh, there, there's literally so much, Brandon. Um, a few maybe keys that I think um, are, are really sort of emergent and bubbly right now is that um, this uprise of the direct action permaculture action tour you know music and art meets uh, direct action I have a lot of dear friends my friend Ryan Rising who's one of the authors in the book uh, programmed and curated the the original tour with the Polish ambassador and it's okay, just amazing right. to see um, that uh you know, hundreds of people in one day to come and, and listen to music will come also and build a garden in a day. And it's just yeah. amazing watching the, um, the, the way that the youth is, is waking up especially and how we're um, bringing a purpose to the play. And so um, that's one thing I think we're going to see more of, even in, in town, in fact, tonight here in Portland, another group of artists is also holding another sort of version of this direct How you Scintilla is doing this That's now right. too, right? Yep. Yeah. So they're here tonight. My friends Cleo Scintilla and Desert Dwellers are putting together along with the Blooming Biodiversity 
Coffee Tour. They are putting together a permaculture action tour, particularly focused on youth. But, um, you know, they're doing that in conjunction with these DJs, with these artists. So there's a big two-day action here in Portland with all these different events. And, and I think that's really inspiring. I think that's engaging the youth and giving, you know, you can be playful and inspired and you can celebrate life and you can do that by planting a garden, you know, making a difference in a community, being in service to populace. So I think more of that is actually going to be, we're going to see more of that on the horizon. And I think that's amazing. Um, Other things I think is that there's actions like things like Recode in Portland um, is also something I'm really inspired by. Um, Recode is uh, working with local government to change legislation, policy, and permitting around sustainable and appropriate technologies. One thing that's really true is a lot of this, um, you know, new sort of natural building and appropriate technologies, you know, composting toilets. It's, you know, gray water runoff, you know, a lot of these sort of strategies and solutions for more sustainability are often not permittable. And so there's a big movement that's looking at how do we change the laws and show how um, actually implementing a lot of these strategies is necessary and actually um, saves bioregional uh, resources. Um, but we need to start working with local governments. So I've really been inspired by the groups who are sort of crossing over from the sustainability movement into seeing how do we change um, civic permitting and and help make these things legal and supported and not sort of weird and sort of on the fringe, but mainstream and something that is practical and adaptable to every person um, so that's another thing I think is exciting. Also in Portland, I mean, obviously, I, I really love the city I live in. Portland also has re- um, it has the Village Building Convergence, which is a uh, one-week placemaking event that happens that draws people in from all over the country, where they really have, for 15 years, shown a successful model of creating street art and public piazzas and um, interactive uh, placemaking sites where around the city, natural building and beautification projects have unified communities. Um, of that place and created a more sort of uh, interactive and engaged community based on art. And so I think models like that, it's been successful and in the city for 15 years and there's a lot more of that um, coming. Um, and just the fact of the appropriate technologies, this ecotech, there are some amazing, uh, there's some amazing emergent um, water technologies, energy technologies. Um, it's about getting it implemented and into people's hands, but I get to sit in on some really interesting conversations about about some of the strategies and solutions um, that are being beta tested and prototyped right now. So, but other things I'm really inspired by, um, I think I'm really inspired by the fact that there's been successful eco-village movements, things like Global Eco-Village Network has been successful in showing in other countries that this is a more normalized uh, approach to living. And it's starting to really pick up uh, support in the States. It's funny how long actually permaculture, natural building, eco-village concepts have been active in the States and yet how still underground they sort of seem. There's a really bubbling movement of connecting a network of um, more uh, educational, immersive-based land projects. That's something I'm personally really um, participating in. Yeah, yeah, me too. Is how, um, that's actually the body of work I'm doing through an organization called Village Lab. We're really looking at uh, making education and immersive, practical education, land-based education and project-based education, more accessible to more people, um, working with online education portals that allow people to reskill and and learn new things more accessible um, than, say, having to go to a university, and doing that online projects that we show sort of research and development of implementing these new systems. Um, I'm really personally excited about that work that's sitting in front of me about helping ground this to showing what's possible on some of these amazing land projects that are, are coming up in the next few years. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's something that uh, that uh, our mutual friend Jonah and I talked about uh, at length is, you know, the the land projects where you're implementing the educational element. And I think it's it's crucial to figure out a way to uh, education is everything right uh knowledge is power so uh as all these emergent technologies are happening in real time and all these so much creativity is out there it's like how do you how do you harness it and put it you know in a form that's really usable uh to to people and helps to transform people when when they you know come to say visit one of these projects are there any particular land projects that are emerging that um you know that that you're you would name as, as ones that people should check out? Well, I'm sitting on three land project boards right now, helping to design and develop um, projects that I see in the next few years will be emergent. So I'm not going to name them at this point, but what I'll say is uh-huh. great examples of the kind of work. And I'm, I'm really excited for the next few years to be able to um, really promote uh, these, these land projects I'm starting to get involved with. But I'm always excited about things like Occidental Arts and Ecology down in California. Um, such a place for learning and education. Um, so inspiring what they're doing there. Um, that's one project on the West Coast that I think is sort of modeling what's possible. Um, and I do look forward to the next few years being able to showcase more. I mean, things like Dominhor and Findhorn, you know, there's mm-hmm. some really established um, eco-villages that are really... Um, have been living these models and applying for a long new time, technologies yeah. for a long time. And so I think if people are interested in learning more, going to um, Global Eco Village Network or the Fellowship of Intentional Communities are both really good um, online resources to learning more. Um, but Occidental Arts and Ecology, I'm really um, a fond of. And in these next few years, I'll be able to promote and um, share uh, three new projects that I've been really honored to sort of get to step inside of at this development phase that are in Tending to be these uh, educational research and development centers that 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 show and teach and model um, different ways of living, different appropriate technologies, Beautiful. different social technologies, different permaculture practices. So, I'm really excited by what's what's bubbling. Well, I'm excited to see as they emerge and and learn more about it. It's uh, you know, there's just so much. It's it's almost overwhelming in a very good way. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to do that with people, Brandon. And and what's yeah. true as it is, there's so much. And I I'm almost don't mind sometimes being an overwhelming force of inspiration and love and excitement for people because we need that in the world. And yeah, there is absolutely. so much to consider and look at. But there's something for everyone. You really named it. There's something for everyone. Um, they don't, you know, nobody has to be as inspired by all the things that I am or you are. But if they find the one thing they're inspired about, there's so much um, beauty that's emergent in the world. And, and I love kind of overwhelming people with just yeah, how, yeah, yeah. How, great, um, how great a lot of things that are happening are um, in the face of a lot of challenges and a lot of struggle. Sure, sure. And, and I don't know what your thoughts are. And, you know, some of these... It, more abstract ideas such as uh, I'm sure you're familiar with like seasteading. I don't know if that's something that you cover uh, at all. What, what are your thoughts on, on that actually building new, you know, essentially people building islands or building space and over the water where there isn't regulation. Is that something that you think is, um, is, you know, I guess sustainable or, or practical. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think two things. I've been really inspired but lately. There's some amazing projects um, of these like biosphere, you know, out in the desert, these whole living uh, renewable energy cities that are being built. Um, you know, there's as many humans and people and innovative ideas are people who are prototyping um, different ways we can live on this planet, which we need right now. We need to be innovative and creative. How applicable some of them are or accessible to every person I don't know. And so yeah. my work is to stay, uh, you know, informed and inspired and curious and always learning myself. I learned a lot through this project by researching and studying. I imagine. Um, so, you know, so I'm always on that. What's on the cutting edge? What's innovative? And what can we learn from the past? Not because we can ever go back to the past, but what can we learn that also allows for very simple, approachable right now to every person a uh, way to live. And so I think it's a combination of the ancient and the future, the wisdom of how we've already, you know, lived in balance on this planet. There's much to learn there. And what we, how we could live on this planet is very innovative and inspiring. And, and I do think that with the technology and creation we have, we're going to see some really um, amazing things that at one point would have been like out of a sci-fi movie or yeah. really utopic. I do think we're going to see the, the tangibility. My one thing I'm really being shown and um, guided into by mentors, by people in this work um, who I'm learning from is how vital it is to make sure that we're being inclusive of all people. And so some of these yeah. ideas may not include all people. So they're interesting and should be pursued. Yet we have to look at how do we make sure that everyone of every socioeconomic class, you know, every culture, behind, yeah. yeah, nobody, we need to figure out solutions that work for everyone. Um, and that's why I'm a big advocate of appropriate technology and regional resilience, along with really innovative, creative, new projects and biosphere creation. And I just think all of it is what I think it really, I think I even wrote it in the book. I think it takes every answer every solution, every strategy, sure. and every human at the table. But we can do that. We can yeah. do that, you know? Yeah, it, it's going to take everything that we've got to, yeah. to pull it off, I'm sure, and then some. Yeah. And um, then some. What do you think... How do you think the current monetary system plays into, you know, these future models? Uh, do you see us moving towards a resource-based economy? I mean, you know, of course, there's a reference of sacred commerce. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I actually think there's a few things that are so, like dominoes is how I look at them in, in a strategist's um, viewpoint. There's a few dominoes that if we can hit a few dominoes, they actually start rippling change throughout um, a systemic shift. And one of them is is our current economic system. It's it's like yeah. the nest with which in all of our current infrastructure and society is built. It certainly uh, isn't the most important thing. I think water, you know, and interconnection is more important. But um, because of the current system we have, it's, if, it's vital that we look at a restructuring of an economy that values life and that we look at a uh, economy that's diverse, that it, uh, you know, if one system collapse, it's not going to create a whole systems collapse just because that one systems collapse. It really is like a permaculture practice. How do we have multi systems of wealth? How do we have a metric for valuing the multiple currencies that aren't necessarily just about a dollar based format, but are also about skill and intelligence and physical resource and time and all the other ways that we can value 
life, I'm really inspired. Uh, I've stepped on with Village Lab, which is a consulting and whole systems design firm. And um, particularly my, my allies, um, Fernanda Ibarra and Jeff Clearwater with Village Lab, are really working with like the meta integral groups and the, um, the meta currency groups and are looking at currency design and how do we uh, create currency designs that uh, value life. And so I think this is one of the more emergent conversations. Um, it's necessary to look at this uh, fact that we have a lot of resources, but they're not distributed evenly. We have a lot of wealth, but we don't have a metric that values that wealth. And, you know, we have an economy that doesn't value life right now. And, and we have yeah. to shift to a life-based uh, value of economy. So I think that's one of the bigger things that's going to be changing in the next five years even. There's even some new technology that's going to support an economic shift that's emergent um, because yeah. we need now a systemic shift. So, you know, you can make local uh, currency um, and, and ways for people to barter, trade, time banks. Those are really successful in small levels on local community and they have to be integratable and exchangeable on other levels of currency as well for a system shift to come. So I'm really an advocate for the both end of making you know more of a resource exchange happen locally with neighbors and with people. And um, you know, how do we get out of the a system that just is always sort of perpetuating the challenges we're facing? We have to change the system. Um, and that's yeah. going to be, you know, a large journey. That's not going to be a small thing. That's going to be actually a huge, huge undertaking. And yet um, some of the circles that I sit in and the perspectives that I've gotten to be privy enough to just listen in as, you know, as a student, really, what I'm learning yeah. about people far more advanced than I am in their understanding of this is w there is a lot of um, very sound strategy for implementing new currencies and economies that um, I think are really vital as we've seen the market's been crashing uh, even this year. It's, it's couldn't be more well-timed for this to be something yeah. that becomes more of a, a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you speak of timing and you actually made an astrological reference um, earlier, which uh, I am very interested in that topic as well. So curious, anything going on right now that you follow astrologically that you feel is, you know, supporting this collective process? Oh, God, Brandon, it's huge. You know, I really do run the spectrum of I'm really here on the ground looking at tangible, practical solutions. And the truth is, I'm, you know, a very spiritual being, and I'm absolutely connected to something that feels like it's much greater than my own um, understanding. And so there's many tools that I use to try to navigate and make sense of something so unfathomable as all of this amazing miracle. And um, astrology is definitely one of the tools I use of many. But it's amazing if you really start learning that language um, and how deep it goes, how we're being shown actually all the time. And I have some great resources I use consistently to help me navigate how influenced mm -hmm. we are by the planets and how much is actually happening on the, pla the planet at this time that you can track and work with on a conscious level um, that absolutely has to do with, it's a setup. It's a, it's a interstellar setup. It's amazing how, yeah. how these yeah. different planets and their influences happen to coincide with different marks of human, human, humanity's change and yeah. um, glo global shift. So I'm really key to this year. In fact, the 2012 to 2015 cycle was tremendous. Um, I mean, really, yeah. there's been uh, um, these astrological forces helping to create evolution and wake up humanity for, for quite a while. But, you know, really back in the 80s, there was the big 60s, there was a huge um, 
you know, configuration of Uranus and Pluto that we actually just experienced again this last um, three years through the 2012-2015 that just ended. Um, you know, 1987, there was a huge configuration that created a lot of change. The 2012 to 2015 has just been um, ongoing, uh, you know, passageways and challenge lines and ben- beneficial um, star alignments. Right now, we're about to go on Sunday into an eclipse. And it just feels like yeah, this year in particular this. feels like thing after thing after thing that has been here to really work us from the uh, unconsciousness and the shadow and, and the challenge into the gift and the grace and the awakening. So, you know, I'm constantly getting worked. Most people I know are constantly getting worked. All right. Uh, from an astrological perspective, if you're really paying attention, it's actually really helpful to learn and know about. Yeah, there's some interesting theories and, and curious what your thoughts are. And we're diverging a little bit, but I, it's a topic that we're both interested in. So I just thought I would bring it up. You know, uh, curious if you've and obviously I think I know the answer. You you're feeling and seeing this this kind of uh, speeding up uh, the spiritual revolution that's sort of happening with people coming online and, of course, the astrological indicators for that. And then, you know, I, I've heard the interesting uh, theory that we're actually, of course, we're hurtling through this vast uh, cosmos at a tremendous speed and that we're entering into a new region of space where the vibration is elevated, which is causing the uh, ripple effect in our, you know, DNA and cells and so forth. Uh, curious if you've heard that kind of yeah. uh, that idea and what you th- if you you think there's something to that I really do and I, I feel like um, what I again as a as a cultural anthropologist and a student of life constantly taking in an eclectic viewpoint so I, I study a lot read a lot look a lot to try to gain an understanding of the many things that comprise some core truths and one thing I feel really clear about is that um, we, it feels like we've passed through basically our galaxy, you know, hurtling through space, doing its thing, just like the cycles of the moon, you know, just like the different seasons. We happen to, uh, from my understanding, be passing through the galactic center. We happen to be passing through this particular right. part of space that's this almost like an amplified wormhole. It doesn't mean we're in a wormhole, but it means we're passing through the field of this tremendous force of which I can't even comprehend. But my right. understanding, because I can feel it happening to this planet, is as we pass through, as our space you know, galaxies just happens to be spinning part through this part of space. It's amplifying and speeding up and warping our concepts of, you know, human third dimensional earth time. And it really does require people to really open through just like at one point people thought the earth was flat and that's the way it was. And you'd be considered a headache if you said the earth was round. Um, we didn't understand at the time. And I think there's a lot that humanity still doesn't understand about what's really going on in the universe and our place in that. So I feel like um, there may be things people think are far fetched, yet I think in our future times, we're going to show to be proven that we are being impacted by a tremendous force of change and evolution. And um, what I think is, is it's for the benevolence and for the support to help humanity to evolve past this sort of really primal uh, understanding of ourselves to be much more uh, compassionate, much more intelligent, much more connected to things beyond what we currently see or know. And I think, you know, it's a big process. It's a really big process. So I think there's a lot of 
forces, uh, you know, and the planets certainly are playing a part in that, helping us to make this transition and this change to being uh, the next octave, to think that humanity has come this far from all the different evolutionary processes and that somehow we're just complete and this is the sort of, this is the end of the game. We've become human and there's nothing else to advance to or to evolve into is one of those things to me that is sort of like the earth is flat and that's the way it is. It's like we are evolving and we're changing and um, we're becoming more conscious and this planet's becoming more conscious and I think we happen to be passing through this particular part of space that's speeding up that process. And um, I don't think that it's random. I think there's a, desi- a design. I just think there's too much that's so intricate and so elegant about the way that all of this is designed to think that that's not somehow um, designed and intentional versus we just happen to be hurtling through space and this is just happening. But that's just me. Where do you think it leads? Where, what do you think it looks like 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now? If uh, did you make a Stevens prediction? Hmm. Well, what I believe is that we're actually sitting in a time where we are in an open uh, crossroads, meaning I think it depends on what we choose. I, I really think that what's true is that there's no right or wrong answer. There's no final outcome. It's a constant. There's many timelines. That There's many timelines that are open right now. And I think what's sure. so overwhelming is just how many potentialities, like the great choose your own adventure. Yeah, um, exactly. We are living in a choose your own adventure where, you know, you come to these crossroads and whichever you choose takes us down a different path. And there's multiple outcomes. And it's really to each human and then to us as a collective species to determine together how we want to choose at each crossroads what outcome we're aiming for. So I think multiple outcomes may be possible and it really depends on, well, what does humanity need to experience next? I don't really feel like a creator has a preference. It's all learning. It's all creation. It's all destruction. It's we have a preference. What's our preference? What do we want to see? And so I kind of, you know, am aiming towards putting all of my energy into uh, a planet that is in resonance with itself, that we as part of that organism are harmonious and balanced, that we work with nature and actually get to experience the joy of just how amazing it could be to be that connected, to understand the language of plants, of trees, to have a much more intricate understanding of the language of this world we live in and be in a relationship with it than we are now. I feel like the technologies that are birthing are going to create um, a revolution in energy and in water and how people live. I think it's going to uplift people from poverty and struggle and that there's a potential, these are all potentials, for people to actually come into their creative uh, potential, a renaissance of the really creative evolved human because people aren't just trying to survive at a base level because we've figured out how to take care of the basic survivals and have changed who we are intrinsically and I don't think we need governing by outside forces. I think we need to be uh, changed as humans to look at how we can help each other and self-govern. There's a real change in the human heart that I think is um, under play that might look like civilizations and societies that are more balanced, more equitable, and that there might be things we couldn't even imagine possible because we've actually harnessed the technology and the resources of this world to provide where there is no need for war and there's no need for governing over because we learn how to be a cooperative society. Now, that's my vision and dream. That's what I can't help but sort of um, hope for for my child. And I accept that uh, we are facing some really deep challenges, particularly with climate change. That might be any spectrum of potential outcomes, but I know that I am aiming 
all of my energy and attention and effort into what could we do in the face of this crisis to not only avert crisis, but to actually catalyze a great renaissance of the human potential? How could we create human flourishing and the benevolence of all life through our actions because we came to this crisis point? That's kind of where I'm aiming towards in my choose your own adventure. I don't know if we yeah. get there, Brandon. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if we get there. I but believe I think, we do. I think that we are in a timeline where we're being shown how many potentials exist and it's like well humanity what do you choose so i'm going to be one person who chooses for your son and for my daughter and you know maybe for us if we're lucky enough to be around um, a really different future than the one that is being sort of shown to us right now well i i I resonate very strongly with your ideas there and you know you're talking about us uh not needing governance and things like that and i'm very fond of the saying you know all is literally one wake up to that fact and act accordingly. Once that is permeating consciousness, like, oh my gosh, we've been asleep this whole time and I didn't realize this person that I'm persecuting or judging or right. viewing as separate from self is literally an extension of self and That's I will right. feel the energetic repercussions of whatever I'm inflicting or not inflicting or helping or not helping with that other being because that is me. And I think if we can get that message to start ringing true because it is true with the masses we will self-organize um and and one way i'd like to share that if i could because i think it's hard for people that we are one and so one thing i've used in my teachings and workshops has been literally if you think about your own body because this is really personal Mm -hmm. to us that these different cells within the body are their own individual structure you know a cell has its own structure and it's doing its thing being a cell whether it's a brain cell or a blood cell or a muscle cell or, you know, skin cell. And then it connects with other cells that create more complex organisms like our heart or our blood system. And and it comes together and creates the organs that is our body. And then that whole body exists as one organism, but with these many parts and pieces. And I think that when we really kind of think about that kind of micro cause a macrocosm, you know, a dis-ease in our body is called a cancer. If a cell becomes dis-ease, it has the capacity to spread that dis-ease to other parts of the body. And there's also um, T cells, fighter cells that come in and help to repair where the dis-ease and imbalance comes in. And so those are like forces playing out in our world all the time. We are the exact same thing. We are, you know, these cells on this greater organism, but um, that's part of this thing that has to wake up in humanity is, yeah, we see ourselves as really disconnected from that it's very hard to conceptualize so i just try to help people come back to their own body and be like if you can imagine how all of this is working together you know in a relationship communicating to each other all playing its part that's the exact same thing happening um you know on our planet right now absolutely there's a great documentary um you may be familiar with by uh, a guy named nasim haramein uh called the black hole w-h-o-l-e and it's really interesting because he's uh, you know scientific genius and he's talking about you know the one we all hear about the uh, all things being one but he's actually talking about it from a very unique and profound scientific perspective much like you were just uh, addressing but even going more hardcore science with it and it's uh it's really fascinating for those of you out there listening who you know really have a leaning towards yeah that all sounds great but show me the science check out black hole w-h-o-l-e uh documentary is absolutely fascinating and and just to speak on one other thing that you were talking about um you were you were referencing the different choose your own adventure and i am such a strong proponent of that concept and you know the way i view it is 
source, God, whatever you want to call it, our higher self, it plays out in my in my personal opinion, my personal belief, it plays out all potential scenarios. So if you can think of it, it's already happened in the eternal you know, moment of now. Time is a, an illusion that obviously Einstein has proven that if you shoot me in outer space and bring me back a day later, you know, I'm a day later and you've been dead for 50 years or whatever it is. Um, so we're, you know, time is this illusion that is used in the, in the physical dimension and it, in the ultimate nature of reality it's all happening now and every version that you can think of and every choose your own adventure you can think of and those that you can't so based off of what information you're resonating with what energy you're resonating with determines what version of reality that actually shows up in your movie and that that's my own you know my own belief and take on it so i think someone like yourself who's putting so much heart and soul into seeing this you know idealized version of uh earth uh you'll end up there and you'll be watching that and maybe someone else hearing this right now who likes to resonate with all the problems and beats that drum incessantly they'll be in another you know timeline where it's not quite like that and and uh, you know so literally from the we're like ships passing in the night and we're, we're stepping in and out of potentialities with the vibration that we're offering at any given time that's that's how i view it I do too. And that's what I've been shown. And I, I appreciate and love when I, you know, this is the first time we've had a conversation, Brandon, but that's um, exactly how I view what's happening. And so for us to feel the resonance of that alone is, is pretty amazing. And the first quote that I put in the book, um, which only keeps dawning on me more and more is a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is a reality. And that's yeah. by Mr. John Lennon. And I put that Beautiful. in the book, you know, as the first way to open it, because I believe that's exactly what's happening. I think that, you know, if we can dream the impossible, the imaginable, you know, the most amazing or most devastating dream, you know, and then we, we make that the story, we actually create a reality based on that. And so yeah. because I believe in the power of each of us to really create our own reality. We're the only ones who can. We're constantly creating a world based on our experience, our, you know, offer, our language, uh, our choices. Um, we, and then we, and then we, we're living in that soup together. You know, we're all kind of all choosing our own realities and then that becomes a collective reality. And so I'm really a big proponent of let's create a narrative of, you know, a world tell the that story. is peaceful. Yeah, let's tell the story together and yep. let's then live the story. Let's, you know, instead of, you know, mass media really telling the story of destruction and, you know, look around us, we're, we're telling destruction. It doesn't have to be that way. We literally have tons of solutions and strategies, but yeah. we're not implementing them. We're somehow not choosing them. And so I think what's, what's really powerful right now is these emerging stories of hope, of potential, of creativity, of people choosing to come together, work together, and, and rise up and, and take care of ourselves and the planet. And, and that's possible. And so I do think we're creating our reality based on that, but we have to unify around a story that says we choose life and we choose peace. And there's you know some people on the planet who that's not the story they want to tell. And so while we're each living our own reality, um, we're also living this collective reality. And I think you're right. I think over time, um, I do think it's potential that... Um, you know, we might somehow separate and live in different realities, whether it's on the same planet or not. It may be that there's a time where, um, you know, if this is my reality, because I live in a world personally where I'm aware that other people live differently. The world I live in is this every day, is these principles, yeah. these practices. I live in a community. I'm surrounded by people making a difference. You know, I live in an intentional home. I raise my daughter this way. More and more, I'm like, this is my reality, but I get that other people have other realities and I'm, and I'm aware of it, conscious of it, and want to do my best to help them 
make their reality the best reality possible. It doesn't have to be mine, but for people yeah. to find what works for you that doesn't harm someone else. What is your particular way that you want to live that's peaceful and just, that stewards the planet and doesn't harm anyone else? Awesome. Let's help you do that. It doesn't have to be my way, but as long as we aren't harming each other in the process of how we live, then that's great. We can all have our own realities, but where we share and overlap our reality, we need to be common stewards. We need to find how to be cooperative and say your reality, you know, doesn't um, get to impact mine. You know, I'm choosing a reality that, 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 you know, believes in life and in our future. If you're choosing a reality that believes in destruction and war and disease and poverty and struggle and separation, then we need to talk about that. And we need to decide if we're all agreeing on that reality together because I don't agree with that reality. I don't say, right. I don't agree that that's okay. And so what can I do to say, let's change that story? No. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Jamaica, this has been absolutely fascinating to speak with you. You're such an inspiration. Um, this is the first time we've connected, but I feel confident it won't be the last. And I could literally probably sit here and talk with you're such a kindred spirit. I could sit here and talk with you probably for the next five hours, but uh, I'm sure you've got things to do as do I. So we'll, we'll end this here uh, for now. I would definitely love to circle back around with you as some of these things uh progress that you're working on and and as you know there's more and more information to share with our audience um hopefully this is one of many conversations that we'll have and uh i look forward to you know collaborating any way that i can and um yeah i mean as a as a last question that i like to leave everyone with i like to put everyone on the spot just a little bit but something tells me that you'll have no problem with it in 60 seconds or less what is the meaning of life according to jamaica stevens I think the meaning of life is to find your own meaning and to live this one very, very precious life to the best of our capacity and to do good with our time here, to leave at the end of our day feeling at peace because we gave everything we had to give. We experienced everything we wanted to experience. We forgave everyone who ever wronged us and we allowed ourselves to be forgiven for um, everything we feel like was a mistake and that we, we end our days in peace, that we, we really lived it and we did our best to contribute to the good of the world. So I think the purpose of life is to find your purpose of your life and live it fully and die at peace that you really did. You came here and you gave your best and you tried your best and you forgave and you learned from your mistakes and you left something behind you that was greater than what you came in with. Beautiful. Well said. I look forward to following uh, the progress of all these wonderful things that you're doing. And uh, so, Oh, and Bioneers is one that we should have maybe done a plug for. Um, Bioneers is in San Rafael, October 16th through 18th. And it's like 25 years of the National Convention of Changemakers. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a really oh, wow. amazing event that they've been doing for 25 years straight that really brings this like innovative, um, solutions-focused change makers to this big conference. Thousands of people attend. So I'll be there in um, San Rafael, outside of San Francisco. And um, that's at Bioneers.org that people can find out more information about that event. Oh, wow. I'll, I'll, I'm not familiar with that, but I will definitely check that one out. Jamaica, thank you again so much for, for being here. As for all of you out there listening, remember to subscribe to the Positive Head podcast on iTunes and give us a good review while you're at it. Also, check out PositiveHead.com where we have brand new wares and other really you know cool stuff for you to check out. Otherwise, until next time, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Be well, everyone.